Hi there, you're listening to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. This sermon, The Way of Freedom, is from 23 February 2020. The scripture is John 8, 1 through 11, and is the last of four sermons on the ways of Jesus. Thank you for listening, and may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. For right or for wrong, through the ages, when people have been in trouble, they have sought the wisdom of kings and leaders. And sometimes that works out well, such as when two women brought a child to King Solomon and said, you know, we we both had a baby. One, we're living in the same house. We both had a baby. One of them died. This is the living one. And Both of the women claimed motherhood. And King Solomon said, right then, let's get out a sword, split the baby in half, and each of you gets to keep half a baby. And immediately, one woman was like, sounds good to me. And the other woman said, no, don't cut the baby in half, which is what any rational, normal person should say. Uh, We should all be against cutting babies in half. I can't believe I just said that out loud. But he said the one who is the true mother would rather see this baby live even with another mother than to be cut in half. On the other hand, you have kings who are foolish and foolhardy, such as the time a king came upon a disagreement, and it was the time for him to interject his wisdom, and his wisdom directed the people to realize that a, because a duck floats like wood, if a woman weighed the same as a duck, she was a witch, and you should burn her. And that is a plot point from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I couldn't help myself. It was right there. So here we see Jesus. And Jesus is teaching. And what's what's slightly different about Jesus' teaching, first of all, is the teachers would sit when they taught, And people would stand. So they were all crowded around Jesus. And so you imagine there's a crowd. And they bring a woman. And they thrust her in front of Jesus. And they want Jesus' opinion about this matter. We've been talking for the past few weeks about the ways of Jesus. And we started off looking at Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what we can deduce from that is this, is that there is no room for bondage in God's kingdom. If we want to follow the ways of Jesus, we have to commit to the ways of freedom. Freedom is a word that we use a lot. It is all over the place. 
And it's used in a variety of different ways. We say something is free when it doesn't have a cost and you just get to take it home. But we also say we're free when the workday is over and we get to punch out and we go home. I have heard Katie say, I'm free on the last day of school. And summer holiday has started. But freedom for God's people means something different. Because after all, God is the God who freed his people Israel from slavery in Egypt. God is the God who freed his people from exile in Babylon. God is the God who freed people from sin in the grave through Jesus. If we're going to be followers of the ways of Jesus, we have to maintain a consistent ethic of freedom. And how do we do that? Well, that's the question that we encounter here in this passage. Some of you might have noticed when you turn in this passage in your Bible, there, there will be some sort of weird bracketing or, or typographical thing that sets off this little story. And in mine it says, the most ancient Greek manuscripts do not include John 7:53 through 8:11. And some people have used this as cause to dismiss this passage. And to be fair, it's right. They don't, it, it is not included, and the early Christian church dealt with it in many different ways. Some of them stuck it in Luke, thinking that it sounded a lot more like Luke's writing than John's. Some of them stuck it kind of as a, as a footnote at the end of the book of John. But there's a very good reason why it really fits in here. is the chapter begins with people wanting to stone this woman, and the chapter ends with people wanting to stone Jesus. And it brings full circle that Jesus spared the woman from stoning, but he would eventually, he would avoid the stoning, but he would eventually take a much worse punishment for all of us. When we fully embrace the ways of Jesus, it leads us to freedom. And there are really three main parties in this passage that need freedom. First of all are the Pharisees. What do the Pharisees need freedom from? They need freedom from self-righteous judgment. The Pharisees had every right to bring this woman. They had apparently caught her in adultery. We don't know how they caught her, but they did. And yet, in this story, they're completely wrong. Because they have brought this woman convicted of adultery, first of all, there are no witnesses. 
in three different places in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, that spell out the law, there's a mandate that witnesses be brought forth for the adultery. And there's no witnesses named here. So they've just dragged this poor woman in as part of their scheme to try to get to Jesus. They have no interest in her. Honestly, it could be a woman or a giraffe or a duck or a, a man. It doesn't matter because they just want Jesus. They are so convinced in their own self-righteousness and in Jesus' wrongness that they can't see this poor woman hurting in front of them. They have no interest in restoring her. They're right under the law to do this, but they're wrong. By the letter of the law, they are right. By the spirit of the law, they are wrong. Because the spirit of the law is to show, the letter of the law is to show how we are all guilty of straying from God and disobeying God's ways. The spirit of the law is so that we can be a different people set apart by God and to live out a different ethic and a different way in this world. And so they've gotten it all wrong. But even in this passage, Jesus sets them free. Because rather than giving them a tongue lashing, rather than, than telling them off and sending them home with their tails tucked between their legs, he gives them a choice as to whether or not they are going to own their self-righteousness. And we find out that none of them are willing to go so far as to own this. We find freedom, we find Jesus in need of freedom in this passage. And you think, wait a minute, why would Jesus need freedom? He's Jesus. He's walking around like doing Jesus things, being Jesus. The very image, the visible image of the invisible God, why does he need freedom? Well, because Jesus needs freedom from false dichotomies. We have this phrase, the lesser of two evils. And Jesus is really presented with a lesser of two evils situation here. Because on one hand, and this is the trap that they've set for him, and it's kind of clever, like you kind of want to go, ooh, if this were a movie and they were just making like a, an hour-long TV episode out of this, it'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? You know, you can, you can show the woman and you can show Jesus and, and the situation that he's in. Because on one hand, if he says, nah, let her off the hook, then he's broken the law of Moses and they've got him. On the other hand, if he's like, ah, let's stone her. He's broken the law of Rome, which had disallowed the Jews from executing anyone, even on their religious grounds. 
And so they think they've got him. But Jesus realizes and is set free from the same thing that we need to be set free of, is that the lesser of two evils is still evil. You can't pick the worst of two choices that are both bad and expect that it's going to turn out okay for you. Because that simply isn't true. Jesus does not even give this question a time of day. There's a lot of debate about what Jesus was writing in the dirt with his finger. And this isn't uncommon. Uh, I learned this week that this is how uh, writing on the chalkboard started for teachers, is when they were trying to explain geometry as, as somebody was like, hey, what's a triangle? And somebody said, oh, it's like this. They would draw it in the dirt, and that's how the whole thing got started. And now we have whiteboards, and it's not nearly as interesting. So, or PowerPoint. PowerPoint is boring. No offense to Microsoft. And so my favorite explanation of what Jesus was writing was this, is that he wasn't writing anything. He was just kind of drawing in the sand to show complete and utter contempt for this situation which is what we should show when we're presented with two evil choices. A lot of times in our world, we get put in the same trap, don't we? Where we'll be presented with option A and option B as the only two options. No way out. You've got these two choices, and you have to choose one or the other. Jesus doesn't, so why should we? When we think the way that Jesus thinks and we live out the ways of Jesus, we have to see that God's way is always going to be the right way. That God's way is always going to be the way that does not require us to do evil. I understand the world is messy. I understand that situations are not always clear-cut so that we can easily see the right way. And I also understand that taking the right way is going to give people a bad impression of us sometimes. That it's going to give them, as they say in England, the right hump. It's going to give them a, a, a bad taste in their mouth about us an unfavorable opinion about us. And we don't have to be right in a condescending way because that puts us right back where the Pharisees were. And that was the previous point in this little talk. We can follow the ways of Jesus into freedom, but also remembering that the ways of Jesus also is the way of love and the way of rest and the way of peace. And then there's freedom for the woman. She's the obvious one that needs freedom because she's the one who's just been hurled to the ground in front of Jesus. And she needs freedom too. She needs the freedom of forgiveness. 
very vividly, her adultery has been exposed. And we don't have background on this woman. We don't have a backstory on this woman. We don't even know her name. Just no woman. We don't know if this had been a long and adulterous affair. We don't know if this had been a one-time fling. One way or another, she got found out. And when you are found out, a lot of times you start to realize the severity of what was going on. It was 2015, and Katie and I had lived in our first apartment for six years. We found a much better place, had more space. It was in a, in a house that was built in the late 1800s and still had the original hardwood floors. The rent was lower. It was gorgeous. But we still had to clean up and move out of the old place. And so we had some friends come over. You know, we got some food and... and um, and we you know, touched up the pain and cleaned some things up, and they were kind to come and do that. But I went in to clean the... I grabbed a couple of spray bottles of various cleaners that we had lying around, and I went in to clean the bathtub. And as I'm walking in, uh, our friend Stephanie said, whoa, 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 hang on a second. What if there's got in there? And I said, I don't know, cleaning fluid? That's what it says on the bottle. And so I was still ready to resolutely head in and, and spray down the, the bathtub. And she said, well, does one of those have ammonia and, and the other have bleach? And so I looked, and, and they, they did not. They both had bleach. And she said, that's a good thing. And that was the day that I learned that if you mix ammonia and bleach, you will die. <laughs> and your tub will not get clean because you'll be dead. I knew at that moment what I had been rescued from. That woman knew at that moment what she had been rescued from. Forgiveness is not simply just wiping it away and forgetting about it. Forgive and forget is not a Christian concept. Because when we forget what brought us to the point of needing forgiveness, we do it again. But this woman knows what she has been set free from. And when we forgive, when we choose to release people from these burdens, when they understand what they have been forgiven of, what they've been set free from, they don't repeat it. It doesn't come back around. We may slip up. We may struggle from time to time because that ingrained way of life is something that we have to learn to let go of and live differently. But yet, the way of Jesus is the way of forgiveness and the way of forgiveness is freedom. Many times we think of freedom on an individual, personal level. And that's good, and that's right, and I, I'm not discouraging you from that. Each one of us 
has a relationship with Jesus where we do the things that God does not want us to do and we need forgiveness from those things. But we also have individual relationships with other people. And those relationships need forgiveness. And we collectively, whether as a church or as a city or as a state or as a country, as God's people in these cities and states and countries, we may realize there are things that we've gotten wrong collectively as God's people. And groups of people that we may have wronged. And we need forgiveness from that and freedom from that as well. The way of Jesus is the way of freedom. And there's no way around it. Bondage has no place in God's kingdom. Because where there's love, there's freedom. And when there's love, there's